You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Overeater, and um, yeah, I just kind of got the email yesterday that oh, and I, you know, I, I always feel like if somebody asks me to speak or asks me to do something that's way related, I feel like I, it's something I should do, um, and uh, so I'm grateful for those opportunities, and it's good to be here. Um, and just to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, my journey to OA, um, I was born into a family that had a lot of addiction, that had a lot of mental health issues, um, that, uh, you know, had a lot of compulsive behaviors, including um, food addiction. Uh, so I kind of started out with those um, those. I don't know, those issues uh, early on in my life. Um, my family was also had a lot of financial instability. Um, we were kind of like the black sheep of the family. My particular branch of the family was, um, you know, other people in my family, a bunch of uh, like dairy farmers in Vermont mostly. And, um, and while there was alcoholism kind of rife through the family, there was also, um, you know, a lot of just you do the right thing. And, um, and my family never quite got the memo on that. And so they always did the wrong thing. Um, and so, you know, growing up, you know, we, we moved a lot. My dad was uh, in construction after they'd lost their farm in Vermont, which was, you know, a whole nother story of, you know, of major dysfunction and, you know, my mother going to town and selling cows so she had money and, you know, behind everybody's back and just like all kinds of craziness. And and I think when my mom married my dad, she kind of got the lecture from uh, his mother, uh, her mother-in-law, that it was her responsibility to keep him sober. So, um, you know, that didn't work out so hot over the years. So. Uh, my dad was also a food addict, for sure. You know, um, you know, always, as I recall, you know, big guy, big guy sitting in a chair, and you know, he'd have like a bottle of, uh, you know, this is, you know, when he wasn't drinking, he was drinking maybe a gallon of milk, like glug 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 glug, glug. and um, and you know, stories I never knew my paternal grandfather, but. He was also, photos, a very large person. And, you know, literally in Vermont, they made maple syrup. Okay, I'm not sure if I should mention that, but he would drink a cup of it every night. Okay, I mean, you know, like just, that was what he did. So so there's a a lot of food addiction, a lot of mental health issues, a lot of, um, um, you know, my mom became a, uh, you know, a pill addict, 
basically. And so, so growing up, and she spent a lot of years in mental hospitals. I mean, back in the day, I mean, you just kind of move into a mental hospital and like stay there for five years, you know? Um, it's not like now where they hold you for three days and release you. It, it was so, so my mom was really missing a lot when I was growing up. And, you know, food was a tremendous comfort to me. Uh, and I kind of thank food for getting me through a really difficult childhood. And um, so I remember being like 10 years old and living uh, above a garage in a very, very tiny town in upstate New York and um, with my family. And, um, you know, my mom was home some of the time, mostly passed out. I mean, mostly in bed, mostly unconscious, really. You know, I can remember coming home and, I mean, I would get maybe a bad grade at school and my mom was supposed to sign something and, you know, I, I, I don't even know. You know, it was difficult. There was, um, you know, my mom fell asleep driving with us. I mean, literally, we were driving, my little sister's in the car, and she just passes out. And, you know, on the road, you know, and just like, you know, fortunately, she was going really slow at the time. We kind of slowly drifted off the road. So, so you know, nobody got hurt, you know. But these are, you know, because she would go around to different doctors, you know, and get prescriptions for whatever she needed. And anyway, she's a really smart, smart, capable woman, <laughs> completely addicted. So anyway, this was kind of the chaos. Plus we moved like every other year. We would just like totally move. So I was always like the new kid in school, the new kid in school, the new kid in school with the weird family, the weird family, the weird family. So, you know, and it was like, um, it, you know, it, it was pretty crazy. Uh, that's all I can say. So food was very, very helpful to me. You know, living in that garage over this in this situation, there was a little store across the street that sold comic books and snacks. And that was like my, my thing. That was like my salvation. I would just like, you know, get a whole pile of comic books and a whole bunch of snacks. And somehow I managed, I don't know where I got the money to do that, but I managed to do that. And, and that was really, um, you know, just, it was like my, security and my safety and you know later on I discovered books and and books I, I'm still a print addict to this day you know I do a lot of reading and it's a great comfort to me but you know this the chaos of addiction uh, was definitely prevalent you know all the way through um, <clears throat> you know my older sisters uh, basically ended up uh, you know going off to college when I was like six or seven years old. And so that stability kind of ended as well. Um, and, you know, and we sort of had the mythology in my family that education would save us, you know, because of the poverty and because of the chaos and that that was gonna fix us. And, you know, um, it turns out that that doesn't. Um, but uh, my older sisters both became doctors and we all ended up going to college. But um, in any case, uh, sort of fast forwarding through this, I did uh, end up, uh, you know, using food off and on. I had a, a definitely was a chubby, chubby kid. And uh, later on, um, you know, ended up, um, you know, going 
yeah, I, I, I wasn't like a terribly obese in high school, but I was definitely, um, you know, still using food as a primary way of dealing with my feelings. Um, and then, you know, went off to college and there was, a, you know, the chaos of, I brought my chaos with me is all I can say. I grew up in chaos and I brought my chaos with me because that's what you learn how to do, you know? And uh, you may think, oh, now things are going to be great because I'm out of that house. I'm out of that house. I'm out of that house. You know, it's got to get better. And, um, you know, oddly enough, it didn't get a lot better. You know, I went off to, you know, I went to Vassar College and I had a scholarship and I thought, wow, this is great. Um, but I, you know, growing up the way I grew up, I never really learned how to form relationships really well. And it's been a struggle my whole life, you know, because of the chaos, because of, of just moving all the time and, and having, you know, parents that really didn't have those skills to pass on. Um, and uh, so, um, so, you know, I was a bit lost. I found myself in a new environment. Um, and so food uh, was really kind of how I coped in college as well. Um, um, and, and later on, you know, I learned, I, I would say, okay, well, I'm not going to eat sugar. Somehow I knew that that was a problem for me even before I went to the program, even before I found the program. And, you know, so I would, you know, kind of play these, you know, um, you know, try to, you know, control my eating and um, and it didn't really didn't really work so well so anyway um, I ended up in another program because I was you know flunking out of college um, and I ended up uh, going to that program and um, you know you know stopped that substance and uh, ended up getting married uh, married somebody who was also uh, not necessarily a food addict, but an addict in general. Um, and so we were married for like 10 years. And um, so I, you know, continued to, you know, go to my program. We ended up kind of drifting further and further apart. Uh, I ended up having a, uh, a child, uh, my daughter, which was great. Oh boy, that's 10 minutes already. Wow. Okay. So it, just to fast forward, um, yeah, being pregnant and, you know, food became much more, uh, somehow my disease kind of progressed really rapidly. And I'm, you know, I'm that person standing in front of the freezer at 3 a.m., you know, getting stuff out and just like, like just the stress of my life with somebody who, you know, who couldn't really hold the job, so I had to be kind of the responsible one, having a newborn baby, having to go back to work when she was six months, six weeks old. I mean, just all of that, you know, food was really like kind of helped me to hold things together. On the other hand, you know, I, my weight was just getting out of control. And then, um, you know, I knew about 12-step programs. Uh, I ended up uh, leaving my husband at that time packing up my two-year-old, moving to San Francisco, and uh, we, uh, and I ended up uh, finding, going to, finding an OA meeting um, then, but that was like, 
I don't know, about 29 years ago. It didn't really take for me. I mean, I, I, I liked the rooms. I felt like I belonged there in some ways, but in other ways, um, I don't know. I, 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 I wasn't ready for whatever reason. I wasn't ready. So um, then uh, life happened. I ended up uh, down on the peninsula and... Um, and, and then, you know, really spending a lot of time in my other programs. And, you know, the food kind of, it would like subside for a while. It seemed like my progression was to kind of escalate and then kind of like, okay, calm down and escalate, calm down. And um, so, you know, I don't know if my, I was typical or atypical, but it seemed like, um, you know, if I could uh, not eat sugar and I could exercise, that that would calm my obsessive behavior enough to, you know, to be able to function and not, you know, be super overweight. But, um, um, so, you know, essentially I ended up just, um, you know, finding the rooms, uh, being more willing, uh, you know, uh, about 10 years ago. Everybody else has like a date, or it seems like they have a date. I'm pretty fuzzy, you know, because I kind of walked in and out of rooms a lot before I actually, um, you know, wanted to stick around. Um, and I'm still that person who, you know, I got a lot of, uh, you know, fight or flight in me still, you know, from growing up in the way I did. Um, but, um, what I have found uh, in the last 10 years is that life with a program of recovery in OA is a hell of a lot better than without it. Yes. And um, so I'm grateful for that. Uh, I feel like I finally understand that God, that she is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. And I really am grateful um, what else can I say about it? Um, you know, I'm grateful for a, a food plan. I'm grateful for someone, uh, you know, kind of cluing me in that you have to kind of uh, have a willingness to listen because I always felt like, I don't know, I'm just really unwilling to, I would feel inspired by others, but I wasn't willing to do the work for a long time. You know, I just thought, well, I'm different. You know, I grew up in a family where, like, I'm different. I'm different. And people would say, you're different. <laughs> and you know what? I teach high school, and my students will say, I've never met a teacher like you. So I think I'm still different, you know? But on the other hand, being able to relate to others and not to be, uh, you know, terminally unique is really important. And I have a practice. I have a, a way of, you know, I read away literature regularly. I read in the morning. I write every morning. I do have a mindfulness practice that I try to do every morning. I, when I jog around the block at night, I, you know, recite all my prayers, my 12-step prayers, and I, um, you know, I, you know, think about the steps, and, um, you know, that helps me. You know, those kinds of things uh, kind of restore me to sanity with food. So, you know, just for today and one day at a time, 
I'm really grateful for finally uh, embracing this program. And it took me a hell of a long time to do that. Honestly, I wanted to do it my own way, my own way, my own way. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the willingness today and for the journey that got me here. I have, uh, I have twin boys that are graduating from high school this spring if their high school doesn't close down. And, uh, you know, going off to college. And I have a, a daughter who's in, in the rooms too, who's, you know, a wonderful human being. And I'm so grateful for her. And, you know, there's a many good things in my life. There's also a lot of things that I wish were different, honestly. And, um, you know, I, you know, sometimes I say, hey, higher power, you have some splaining to do about this shit, because I don't get it, you know, but I, I'm willing to open my ears and my eyes, and, um, and anyway, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula, we'd like to invite you to our Overeaters Anonymous Region 2 Convention held in Oakland, California, July 10th, 11th, and 12th of 2020. For further information, please visit oar2.org. Thank you.